Hey, what's up, gang? Before we get to today's episode, I want to make a quick preface as myself and Jared Mueller get into conversation. We recorded this episode before we got the latest Miles Garrett news about his injuries and a possibility that he will be able to come back and play this weekend. So all of this podcast was before we knew that news. Just wanted to let you know. Enjoy today's episode. Thanks for stopping by. Hey guys, welcome in to your Wednesday, September 28th edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm actually joined by a guest on this show, so you won't be hearing me talk by myself, which I'm sure you're pretty uh, pretty, pretty pumped about that. I think we've got a great show lined up for you today on our usual Wednesday show with Jared Mueller. We'll welcome in Jared in just a moment. Uh, I want to remind you, if you missed either yesterday's pod, I had Chops on the pod to talk about a, a myriad of different things around uh, what's gone on with Cleveland and where they're going and Baker Mayfield and some things of that nature. And then if you missed the most recent chalk talk, which was on Tuesday night, last night, we have everything covered from the Steelers game. John Stephenson on defense, Kyle Murphy on offense with the offensive line. And then I looked at quarterback play and a little bit more of the skill position stuff. So everything's covered there. You can always find the replays of those chalk talk sessions on Twitch. So if you ever want to Go to figure that out and want to rewatch those on your own time. Check out Twitch. You can visit the website. You don't have to have an app downloaded. Visit the website, the OBR uh, Twitch, and you can you can find that. So those are always available on at 7 p.m. on Tuesday nights. Welcoming in Jared Mueller. Jared, what's up, man? What's happening, Mr. Burns? Well, listen, we're midweek, kind of cruising through this thing. I think it's... Uh, you know, it's weird. You get 10 days off and you're trying to figure out what you're going to talk about over the week. It's nice to get a break, <laughs> but you're like, Saturday, Sunday, should I be working? Should I not be working? This is enjoyable. But then it's like, okay, it's not a bye week, but it's like, it's, uh, I don't know, Thursday night games are so weird. You get one every year and it's, it's, I like getting it out of the way early. I'll, I'll say that much because I hate middle of the season Thursday games. I think if you, because you can get, your team can be so worn out. Like this, I think this Thursday is the perfect example of, just two teams that that could just no show it. I think Miami yep. especially risky no showing it because of you know the, the grueling game of ninety plays of defense on Sunday, and then you have to turn around and play on Thursday. So getting that game out of the way, I think the Browns in twenty twenty played their Thursday game early. I don't remember what was the Thursday game last year. That is a Do you remember off the top of your head. Not a chance in Hades. Last year has been washed, rinsed, and uh, dumped. Uh, so, but I'll get it. I'll get to it. Yeah. For me, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I was in the midst of a transition professionally. So yeah. Congratulations, uh, yeah. man. Tell everybody where you went. What yeah. You're doing. So, uh, I am now the producer at dogs by nature, uh, part of SB nation and Vox media. So, uh, there was a little bit of a delay jumping into that role and just some, you know, timing issues. So I literally had two games where I didn't have to do anything but watch football and without a computer in front of me, without having to think about what I was writing and all this, it was really a, a really unique experience for me. I was like, what? How did that happen? So uh, it really has been really interesting. Started out yes, on Monday. Uh, so I'm getting through some uh, meetings and learning the system and all that good jazz with, with the big organization. So uh, really excited. Had a lot of really positive and caring feedback from people. So that was cool. And last year, it was week seven. 
against the Denver Broncos. Mm, uh, that was yep. the case, the case Keenum, Dearness Johnson game. Now it rings a bell. I think you had a touchdown from um, Johnny Stanton in that game too. I recall. I could be wrong. That could have been the Oakland game, that Monday night switch game. I think it was one of those weird games. They they played Oakland on that Monday night when or Oakland Las Vegas, Las Vegas when yeah. they uh, they had the COVID pushback. Right? They pushed it back yeah. today. So yeah, no, I that was you were right. That's uh, Johnny Stanton had a third quarter one yard pass from Case Keenum. I'm guessing that was a play action uh, play uh, for them. And Teddy Bridgewater was the Denver Broncos quarterback. How different the world is in so many different ways. You know, he's backing up Tua in Miami, Russell Wilson, Denver, Drew Locke is in Seattle. Uh, Case Keenum is Buffalo's backup. And How Jacoby- would you feel if the Broncos had <laughs> traded for Russell Wilson and they had given him a seven-year deal until he's 40? Huh. How would you be feeling right now? That's like the question. I, it's got to feel, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly to look at, you know, what, the, what that looks like. And, you know, I think that's where people like you really are so helpful to fans is, is it Hackett? Is it Russell Wilson? Right? Like you're able to at least help uh, all of us kind of understand the nuance that's happening there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's just like, this sucks. What's the problem, right? Fire Hackett. Uh, and we need to get Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett and about 500 other weapons. I don't know where it's going. I haven't watched him enough to know, but I see 11, 10 scores and I see him still kind of ignoring the middle of the field. And I'm like, man, tied into Russell Wilson for seven years is hard to see it getting better as he gets older, you know? So I don't know. I'm just kind of not envious of uh, where Denver is right now. Nonetheless, you're here to listen to a conversation about your Cleveland Browns. So let's do what we always do. I'll give you a chance first to sort of put your thoughts together, final thoughts or whatever uh from from the thursday night win i haven't really get i like to give you that platform if you had any takeaways from that and then we'll get into our questions yeah no i thought you know thursday was was slightly enjoyable and slightly heart heart attack uh inducing at the end when that ball was bouncing around and anthony schwartz realized he needed to knock that bad boy out of bounds uh on the onside was you know i, I was trying not to wake the dog and the wife at the time uh and so but in the end it you see in a pittsburgh team that doesn't have a quarterback doesn't really have a good off, good to great offensive line, and whose defense is literally dependent on TJ Watt. And so now with the Browns, you know, you you see that Jacoby Brissett can lead an offense, and now we have questions about Miles Garrett. But I don't think we're going to get any answers to those questions this evening. Maybe sometime tomorrow. Uh, but what would the Browns look like without their version of TJ Watt and Miles Garrett? But overall, the game showed you what happens when you know Jacoby Brissett is focused on Amari Cooper, David and Joku. Uh, and still has a really quality run game. And and the offense on the other side isn't one that's going to, you know, it's not Josh Allen, it's not Patrick Mahomes, it's not those types of, of offenses. The Browns can control a game, and they've really controlled the first three. They have controlled the first three. They've done a great job. I wrote about it. I tried to get as detailed as I could to to give everybody an idea of what I think is working, why I think it's working. And it's good. And that's kind of our first question. We're going to take a quick break, though, before we get to that offense sustainable question. We're going to hear a word from Blue Wire sponsors. We'll be right back and then we'll dig into our Wednesday Browns burning questions. We'll be right back. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props 
even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so the sustainability of this offense, Jared, they're up there with the league's best, right? The only two teams in front of them on an EPA per play basis right now is Miami and Kansas City. They play Atlanta. They host the Chargers. They host the Patriots. They go to Baltimore. I don't know that any of those defenses are playing that well right now. Um, Cincinnati, you know, give or take. Miami playing fairly well. So the schedule's not as daunting as we originally thought from a offense looking at the defense perspective. But what I have learned (laughs) is this. In the early season, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. You know, Kansas City can go to an 0-1-1 Indianapolis team and lose the bills can go down to Miami play 90 plays of offense to 39 plays of defense and find a way to lose with only one turnover we don't know anything so I think what I would say to counterbalance my original point looking ahead and talking about maybe these defense we don't know I think it's a week-to-week thing for now I think by mid-season you start to carve out who the good teams are and granted they don't lose a bunch of people to injury you can really start to filter hey this is a good defense that's a good defense offense whatever I think the Browns offense is playing well, but I don't think it takes some overwhelmingly amazing effort from a team to take them out of their comfort zone or put them in a trail position and uh, make them play a different brand of football than they want to play. Right, Jared? So I think I think while I obviously feel like they're playing good and there's no reason to think that'll stop in Atlanta, I do think that down the line here over the course of the next five, it's not going to keep coming as easily as it is coming. I think Jacoby's a little better than I think we anticipated, and he fits what they do. I mean, he was never, he's not an RPO quarterback. He was running an RPO system, a heavy RPO system in Miami. That's not who he is. He is the quarterback of a traditional style of offense. He can do wide zone stuff. He's a very keen play action fake guy. He's he's built to handle short yardage situations, and he's playing well right now. So your expectations go up, but I just have a hard time thinking like, man, 
these 11 games, they're going to be a top five EPA offense across the board in all 11 of these Jacoby Brissett starts. So I think it'll stop at some point here soon. They're going to have some struggle games. The question is whether the defense can sort of be there to now pick them up, right? Because the defense will need to be the reason they win some games instead of the offense. Yeah, I think, you know, both of our first two questions really do run together. I don't think it's sustainable to be top five. Um, I think there's not luck involved specifically, but, you know, there are things you can take away with this offense that can sometimes give them trouble. You know, at time, the wide zone, I think with a three, four, where the linebackers are off a little bit farther from the ball, gives them a little bit. I think the gaps become a little bit more difficult, those kind of things. So you look at that with some of the defenses. I do think Kevin Stefanski has been in his bag. Like, I do think... He's really trusting Jacoby Brissett. Like, you're not going to make an idiot decision here. You're going to look at the right guy here. You're going to do the right thing here. Uh, so I think there's some sustainability from, you know, kind of that top 12 kind of range, uh, which I think is really way better than many people were talking about. But I think you're exactly right. Jacoby Brissett is not making seven decisions all at once in an RPO style game or a you know, a zone read style kind of situation like that's just not him. He is, you know, good ball handler, makes wise decisions, is really only going to look at his first and second reads most of the time. You know, obviously, sometimes if there's no pressure, great, he can scan the field, all that kind of stuff. But he's just going to make the right decision. And in a lot of ways, I think what I've loved that I've seen from Jacoby is he tend he seems to have looked at the defense and has decided who is the number one read in a play from the defense. So it's not as much, it doesn't seem it's as much in this play. It's one, two, three. Instead it's in this play based on the alignment of this safety or this linebacker or that cornerback. Well, all of a sudden he's going number one to David and Joku instead of to Amari Cooper. And he's kind of maybe not made up his mind, but he has a good idea pre-snap kind of who is one who is two that he doesn't even really need to get to three. So I think it's sustainable in that top 12 range. Obviously top five is unlikely, but like you said, you never know. You don't, you don't. I think they will be better than we all anticipate. I think they can be a top half of the NFL offense, but they are going to eventually now Pittsburgh got crazy. They played base defense against 11 personnel, like 19 times. They were, they were not afraid to try to match and bully ball with the Browns. Like that, they, they were very willing to do that, but it didn't work out for them. Now, some teams are going to be willing to do that still, and it will. And the Browns may not find ways to run. But for now, I have no reason to think the run game slows down. It's just a matter of maybe they don't get a couple first downs early in a game and a team jumps out 10 or 14 nothing, and you have to change the way you play. And that could take away from what we know how they approach games. What do they want to do? Control the clock, control the football, have 15 to 20 more plays than the opponent. You can't always play that way if you're coming from behind. They're fighting that. They're hoping to stay away from it as best they can because how they operate best is when run passes a balanced, not balanced in usage, but balanced in probability, right? Where right. I have to think they're going to run it, even though I know they might throw it. They, they, they cannot eliminate the run phase and make themselves have 15 to 20 true pass sets where it's, predictable pass is coming. They don't want that. That's not but good think, for anybody. No, but I think what's interesting, and I don't have any data on it, but I feel like even in the last couple of years with, with Baker Mayfield and Stefanski, they didn't really go to that pass happy kind of idea when they were down 10 or 14, right? They, they seem to really just say like, we're going to run our game plan at least 
you know, second quarter, early third quarter until they really had to. I felt like early in games, even if they got down, you know, that kind of 10 points that they didn't really go away from that as soon as many teams do kind of believing that they could, they could get back into the game through running the ball more than we see from most teams. But you're right. I was just pulling up some quick data. You know, the Browns are right now uh, in Ben Baldwin stats, third in um, turning their possessions into either touchdowns or first downs. Um, so um, 77%, uh, which is tied for third. And then the, there's a bunch of other data with that. And right now are one of the lowest. I'm not going to do the math, but they're in the top. I think it's eight of um, of limiting their amount of three and outs. So only 17% of their drives uh, have have gone three and out. So, yeah, we've seen a lot of that where they're, you know, Brissett, the run game, Kevin Stefanski's creativity uh, has limited the amount of three and outs and, and really kept them on the field. So, you know, I think in the end, we can only imagine what happens if the defense we've seen is on the field more often. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's where our next topic goes, which is mm-hmm. do they regress and get better? Now, I think some of it is overblown. They're 16th in EPA per play. Um, I think it's per play, but it could be it could be drive, and I, I I could be missing it for success rate. General point is the Browns play to play are pretty good on defense. The problem is the big plays they gave up early in the year that led to a ton of fourth quarter points. They were pretty good um, on on Thursday night against the Steelers, although there was a drive. The drive started in the second half where Pittsburgh goes down the field, and I've I've discussed this with several people. I don't know why there was an illegal man downfield on the shovel pass to uh I can't remember the young man's name their backup running back Jalen something he catches a shovel and they called an elite behind the line of scrimmage they call an illegal man downfield that puts the ball down at like the 10 yard line instead the, there's a five yard penalty a loss of down I believe no I don't think it was a loss of down but anyway the Browns got him to punt it's like that could have changed everything could have made it a 21 13 game at that point but to my general uh, thought with the Browns defense they're playing the way they always play a ton of zone not a bunch of blitzing. They're trying to funnel things to portions of the field. They need to be better. I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're ever going to be quite as aggressive as everybody wants. But again, I think they'll be okay. It's just a matter of can they continue to keep explosive plays at a minimum. Now, I thought that this last week, Denzel was really, really nervous of explosive plays and was oftentimes overrunning some comeback routes and things like that that he's usually pretty twitchy on. So I think they're they're the group is very aware of not letting throws happen over their head. So they're very conscious of that right now. So, you know, I I think they'll continue to be better than they were. But again, it's hard to, you have to remember, they haven't been that bad uh, other than giving up big plays. They give up 17 points to the Jets. They give up, you know, if they can eliminate that drive to Corey Davis in the last, you know, recovery, you know, the Pittsburgh game, 17 again. It's not like they're giving up 30 points a game. I think they're okay. I don't know if they'll ever be able to truly, truly carry you because I just think they're a little, a tinge too predictable, but I'd rather them be a bit more predictable than, than trying to outsmart offenses and giving up bus. Right. So uh, I just need them to be respectable. And I feel like when they're at their best, they are respectable. They are okay. There's enough talent there to overcome and, and, and achieve what I think a scheme is that doesn't really give them a ton of ability to show above and beyond the norm. What I mean by that is give guys the freedom or ability to trust them to do things that are a bit unique. They play very vanilla, but I 
But again, Jared, like I think that can be okay here as long as they keep everything in front of them. And I, and I, and I do think they will be better. So uh, I think the offense can't be, they can't have a, a bad offense. Good. They have to be a respectable offense. And I think they will be, it's just about the defense sort of being able to continue to push things in a better direction and being able to then implement some things that make their defense creative and unique. And that's going to be important. Yeah, I think, you know, at some level, when you talk about keeping the ball in front of you, that really is complimentary football, right? Like that when you have a run game and play action passing and, you know, there'll be some explosive plays for sure. But when you want to control the clock on offense, having a defense that keeps everything in front of them, you know, really allows an offense at times to extend the play or their drives a little bit, like actually is complimentary football. I think what we I think we saw and, and uh, you know, uh, John will really you know, his breakdown that I haven't listened to yet will really help. But it almost looks like in week three, they decided not to have options, that it's not something where Walker or now Jacob Phillips uh, could say, we're either going cover four, we're going cover three or, you know, whatever, six palms, whatever, uh, that they're just, they just called one play. That's where I think Joe Woods wanted to allow some flexibility and creativity is, uh, really kind of calling in two different defenses and and letting them on the field decide. And I think they got to take away a little of that. Uh, I think it just it's too much communication, uh, too many young guys, too much whatever it is. Um, but I do think the defense has too much talent to not regress to the mean, right? I don't think Joe Woods is calling stupid plays. And I don't think the defense is in and of itself bad. You know, the part that we thought was the worst hasn't been really tested. That's the defensive tackles. Uh, now, injuries might create a whole different issue. We can talk about that later. But um, right now, I don't think the, the talent's there, and I don't think the scheme itself is bad. So I think it has to get better while we know that we think the offense isn't going to stay at the level it is. Yeah, let's let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up with uh, a couple interesting topics here that that pertain to you know, what's going on with Miles Garrett and and perhaps looking at, uh, you know, what quarterback they'll face they'll give him trouble. So uh, we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so if they're missing Miles Garrett, which we don't know, we're recording this midday Tuesday. You got some video out there now uh, of the body cam footage of when Miles was sort of sitting on the ground next to his car, pretty visibly shaken up. His arm was bothering him. We've heard from his agent that he didn't break any bones, but man, a car wreck of that severity, I have a hard time seeing him hopping on a plane and playing a game in Atlanta. So I'm presuming he's out. I don't know if he'll be out longer than this weekend. Uh, who knows? Just glad the guy's healthy and alive based on some of the photos that we've seen. So 
you know, if they miss him for a prolonged period of time, you're missing Clowney, you might be missing Taven Bryan. You brought up an interesting point here of do they need to maybe perhaps go out and try to either find a practice squad guy or splash a trade, you know, or somebody unhappy or somebody not getting reps? Is is there something to be done? The problem is the ammunition to make a trade, right? They're they're very hesitant to do that with picks in their situation. But man, if you're starting Isaac Rochelle and you know, Chase Winovich is, I think he might've gone to the IR. I'm not even sure who Isaiah Thomas and Alex Wright, like that's tough. It's going to be really tough. And if they do that, they're going to have to at least change up. And like, if our D line is going to struggle this much, we're going to have to run blitz and we're going to have to pass blitz. And we're going to have to trust our DBs more than we trust them right now. Cause it's, it's a lot, man. And I, I think it's, it's got potential to really change the way they play defense, uh, collectively if they have to overcome what is that's not even average that's a below average defensive line i mean even among, among some of the worst in the nfl if that at that point yeah i think it's i think it is the you know that's why i brought up tj watt i think the browns you know miles garrett isn't the defense but he's darn close right and so you know i think that's where you know the the sean watson trade really becomes really interesting and it really does limit your flexibility and i think something i'll say it this way I think fans are always invested in this year. I'm not totally sure the front office is as all in on this year as the fans are, right? Uh, And so it's hard for them to look and go, okay, we'll make a move. For example, I think Jerry Hughes, if Houston continues to struggle, I think Jerry Hughes is a player that, you know, down in Houston just signed a two-year deal. You know, he's, he's gotten four sacks already this year, but, you know, he's an aging veteran at 34 years old. He's the type of player that, you know, could they get a, could they get him for a fourth or a fifth round pick as Houston continues to try to rebuild, but are they willing to give that up? Would they, would it cost more a three, a third? Um, you know, does, does Las Vegas, when you look at them, you know, as Owen three, the only Owen three team in the league, you know, obviously Max Crosby isn't going anywhere. Chandler Jones just signed there. Uh, so, you know, it's unlikely that he gets dealt. I just don't know where you find a defensive end. And then you're exactly right. What do you do when you don't have Miles Derrett, Jadavion Clowney, Chase Winovich, and you have a bunch of literally a whole defensive line of Jags? Well, you have to run blitz. You have to put yourself in riskier situations or they're just going to eat you alive uh, through repetition of certain plays, uh, taking advantage of there's no pass rush so they can run really creative routes and route combinations deeper into the secondary, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, I think it's just an interesting thing to look at how team building happens. You give up all of that for Deshaun Watson. You, you know, you're not, you know, what you got back for Baker Mayfield isn't coming until 2024 and it's not going to be, you know, that high of a pick. So you really do limit what you might be able to, to bring on. And, you know, there's not a lot of moves normally near, near the NFL trade deadline, but if Miles Garrett's out for any significant amount of time, the Browns defense really could become their significant Achilles heel where already we're just like, maybe this could get better without miles Garrett. I don't see how that's possible. It's really hard, man. He's, he's that dynamic. He's that much of a game plan shifter and how they go about, I know they added Curtis Weaver back to the practice squad and they're looking at some familiar faces. We all know they tend to favor familiar faces back to the practice squad, but there's just not a ton of talent there. So I will be focusing particular attention on how they try to overcome those deficits you know those deficiencies uh when they when they go to Atlanta because Atlanta has some fun players man Pitts and London are, are good players Cordero Patterson's playing great football out of the backfield as a running back for them finding like his NFL 
second <laughs> life as a running back and he's really good. That's there's no there's no joke about it, man. He's playing great football. So it's um, you know, Atlanta I think has some challenges on defense, but I do think their offense is fully capable of putting up a decent number of points. So that is certainly uh, going to be a challenge when they when they go down there. We'll close with this one. You know, you're looking ahead at the schedule. Uh, it's it's you know, the first four we thought were going to be pretty simple, right? Like cut and dry in terms of the Browns to be favored. Now they blew the Jets game, but the first four are it. But then we start looking at quarterbacks they have coming, and that's where it starts to become pretty daunting, right? Because, you know, they, they have – well, we'll see. I mean, Herbert's not playing his best football right now. I don't think anybody would say, and we'll see what happens, whether they keep playing him or not. He seemed okay, but not the same guy he always is. Rib cartilage is weird, man. But then they go Herbert, and then – you know, Herbert's a shell of himself and then they go, whatever, I guess Hoyer is going to play. Maybe Mac Jones. I don't know what's going on. He thought his leg got chopped off the way he was looking the other day. And now all of a sudden there's like talk of him coming back sooner than later. I don't know, but nonetheless, you're getting at least a reduced version of Mac Jones or potentially Brian Hoyer coming to Cleveland. But then you get Lamar. And I think Lamar is people's front runner for MVP right now. Joe Burrow. Cause then you go on a run. You go Lamar uh-huh. Burrow to us playing better football. Josh Allen on the road, you host Tom Brady. So that, I mean, the thing is, Jared, they got to win this one and they've got to find a way to win one of the ones after it. One of those three, they have to win because if they don't, they don't get to four wins. Man, I, I mean, we talked about getting to five because then if you could get to four after New England, you got Baltimore on the road, Cincy at home, at Miami, at Buffalo, home for Tampa. You could get one there. That's the best outcome, but, you know, it's, uh, it's daunting. It's daunting. It is. Schedule coming up there. I think it. I think it's one of those things where you start to look at the schedule, and and unfortunately, because of injuries, the Chargers are are likely will be out without their left tackle. Will be without one of their wide receivers. Most likely, will be without Joey Bosa. And then the Patriots are most likely not going to have Mac Jones. And I'm not going to pretend like Mac Jones is this be all end all that some people kind of uh, crowned him to be after his rookie year. But we all know that a step down to Brian Hoyer, who's about to turn 37, is a step down from most quarterbacks, right? So we went from first four games seemingly going to be easy to Chargers, what we thought was going to be Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, easy Dolphins game, Bills, Buccaneers, to all of a sudden the first six games are imminently winnable with a limited Justin Herbert, offensive line really dinged up. No Joey Bosa. Um, I can't think of the wide receiver they lost at ACL. They did just get Keenan Allen back, but he's a little limited as well. All of a sudden, you go the first six games become winnable, right? And so if they get the Falcons and they get one of the Chargers or Patriots, both of them at home, right? And so they could easily reel off the next three realistically and be 5-1 and one going into a really daunting, you know, five games in a row at this point in time. And who knows, you know, where teams are at this point. Uh, Has Tom Brady retired again uh, by that Thanksgiving time game? All of that. I think it's just really interesting how the schedule changes dramatically. But the same thing fans of other teams are saying about not having to possibly face Miles Garrett, right? Um, And then right after the Bucs, there is Deshaun Watson for that closing stretch. And is six enough? I think the question is fair, man. Is six enough? Because the stretch is, is fun at the end, potentially. But again, there's so much we have to learn about all of these teams. So um, 
you know, those are our questions for today. I think that's that's plenty of stuff covered. It's it's we're sort of so far removed. It's a little more fun when you have it on Sunday. <laughs> more yeah. But uh, those are your those are your questions for today. If Jacoby Brissett puts together one more game, we'll start having a conversation built around <laughs> is this guy's starter in the league because he's he's pushing the envelope here, playing pretty well. That's uh, a quarter season mark, so you get you know four quarters in a season. And this will be the mark at the end of the first quarter. So we'll see what it looks like after Sunday. Jared, we'll catch up with you next week, man. Congrats again on the Dogs by Nature role, man. That's fantastic. Pumped to see what you do there, man. And thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Jake. You take care of yourself. Enjoy this beautiful fall weather we have here in the great state of Ohio. Yeah, it became fall really quickly. So Yeah, uh, summer checked out. It was like, I'm off the clock. See ya. Yeah, it really did. It it was it was gone quickly, but I'm all for it. Hoodie weather is the best weather of the year, in my opinion. So um, listen, thanks for joining today, guys. Appreciate you listening. We've had some fun episodes over the last weekend. Uh, anytime we're breaking down a win, it's really fun. Check out that Chalk Talk episode from uh, uh, Twitch. I think it was really good. It's also on the OBR's YouTube channel, so you can find it on the YouTube channel as well. I think it's a really fun episode because the Browns played pretty good football so well worth your time thanks to jared for hanging out today thanks to you guys for hanging out showing up supporting this pod you know how much it means to me have a great wednesday and go browns